Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. Yes, so by God's grace, we want to just um, examine his word again. We want to see, just very briefly, we want to look at the life of Peter. Peter had just seen how Jesus was crucified and everything. And then, after everything had happened, we want to see how he responded. And I know you know the story. It's just to study it very closely. So let's open our Bibles to John. The story of when Peter went fishing. Mm -hmm. John chapter. Yes. So we will look at, I think it's just better to, Go for John chapter 21. We'll read from verse 1. I'll just read John 1 from verse 1. And we'll see where Jesus met them at the seaside. And then we will go and look at verse 15. Just... I know we've read these scriptures before. I will read it down to verse 19. So let me read John chapter 21 from verse. Sorry, my yes, from verse 1. After these things, John 21 from verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood in the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it. And bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dare ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. 
Jesus then went, Jesus then came, took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he raised them from the dead. We'll stop there. We'll look at the other parts of scripture later. But I, it's good we just study this portion. Now, the Bible recorded there that after everything that had happened, after Jesus had resurrected, he came and showed himself to the disciples. After Thomas, first of all, doubted Jesus' resurrection. And he, remember, he said, if I do not see, I can't believe. After all that, the Bible said, after these things, the Bible said after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Dominic, you're welcome. So we are looking at John chapter 21. John 21. We are studying the first few verses together. So Jesus came back. He had showed himself before. And Jesus came back to show himself again to the disciples. And honestly, that is very, 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 very significant in my Christian race. We all need regular encounters with Jesus. We need Jesus. We need to, to see Jesus again and again and again and again and again. We need it. You see, there is nobody with a spiritual reservoir of Christian passion, Christian zeal, Christian uh, energy in that sense. There is nobody with it. There is nobody that has a tank eh, of of, um, spirituality. Nobody. All of us you know, when you read this story, you will think, ah, but why did um, why did Jesus have to come again and show himself to the disciples? We are all welcome, um, Matthew and Liam. We are looking at John chapter 21. That's our study today. Good. John 21. So we 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 were looking at the fact that. Why will Jesus come and show himself to his disciples after his resurrection? And it's very important because when you read it, you think, so what what is the significance of that verse to me? The significance is we need regular encounters with Jesus. We need daily encounters with Jesus. It's a need. It is not enough to say, oh, I'm saved. That's it. You need to keep your connection with Jesus. And how does that connection become a reality? You need to engage Jesus all the time. Jesus had resurrected here. And even for his closest 
disciples, his close associates, he needed, they needed to see him. So we notice here, the Bible says, in this way, Jesus showed himself. After these things, sorry, in verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again. Jesus needed to solidify and concretize what he was doing in the life of the disciples by appearing to them again. So that's the first thing. Now, the Bible now describes how Jesus did it. Verse 2 says, Peter and other disciples, six of them, went to fish. You know, it was Peter that said in verse 3, he said, I am going fishing. The instruction Jesus gave them was not to continue fishing. The instruction Jesus gave them was go out into the world and preach the gospel. Fish is eh? like men. Yes, and, and, and make disciples of all nations. Those were the parting instructions Jesus gave them. But here was Peter saying, you guys, I'm going to fish. And, you know, that statement, I am going to fish, dragged along six others. That teaches me a very important lesson. Look at it. The Bible said, um, the Bible said, in verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going to fish. They said to him, we are going with you also. So, Peter said, I'm going to fish. And you, let's count the number of people that followed him. Thomas, Nathaniel, two, the sons of David, James and John. That's four. Isn't it? And two others, six. So Peter did not say, you guys, let us go and fish. Peter said, I, me, me, I'm going to fish. And what happened? Six other disciples followed him. What does that teach you? What does that teach me? That whether you like it or not, you have a sphere, a sphere of influence on people. As a, as, a, as a Christian brother, as a Christian sister, as a young person, you have a sphere of influence. Peter did not need to say, you guys, let us go and fish. He only said, I am going to fish. And the Bible said, six others followed him. They said, we are going with you. That teaches me, gives me an insight into spiritual leadership. All you need to do is suggest something in a group of friends that you are going to do. You will see, you'll be surprised how people will join you. And that's why for us, we must take notes that we should use our sphere of influence for the kingdom of heaven. We must use our sphere of influence to affect people deeply for God. You see, if we are not able to influence people for God, the enemy will influence them. There is no two way about it. The other issue is, if you don't affect people for Jesus, they will affect you the opposite direction. There is no, there is no um, equilibrium in relationships. 
if you are not affecting somebody in a positive way, that person most likely will affect you in a negative way. Especially when it comes to spiritual relationships. So, beloved brethren, don't think you don't have a sphere of influence. You do. You don't have to be a preacher of the pulpit to have a sphere of influence. We have family. We have friends. We have aunties, uncles, cousins, nephews, nieces. We are all in a family, in a sense. We have a sphere of influence. And we are seeing here, Peter exercised his own. And he did not cajole anybody. He only said, I'm going to fish. Excuse me. If you check this scripture, how many of those people are fishermen officially? Look at the Bible. Look at those people. <laughs> the only fishermen we know in, those, in that group of six eh, is Peter and James and John. Was Nathaniel a fisherman? <laughs> <laughs> was Thomas a fisherman? No. Do you see? Do you see what influence does? Thomas was not a fisherman. I don't know where the Bible recorded that Nathaniel was a fisherman. But he joined, those people joined them. That is what influence does. People will suddenly do things that they are not normally trained to do because of your influence. So you notice, Peter just said, I'm going to fish. And I was thinking, ah, well, how, what made Nathaniel go with them? Is not, as Nathan, is Nathan, when, when did Nathaniel start fishing? When did Thomas start fishing? We are not sure. Maybe math, you know, the Bible mentioned two others. We don't know the two others. Could Matthew be part of them? A man who had retired from tax collecting. Maybe he joined. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know the we don't, but that's what happens. So you'll be surprised the people that went to fish that were not, that have not had experience any form of fishing. All because Peter said I'm going to fish. So Let's be encouraged. In these last days we are living in, we need to encourage ourselves and encourage other Christians as well. That's right. And your encouragement actually is not forcing people to do stuff. You just live the exemplary life. Live like Jesus and you will be affecting people with yeah. that by default before you know it. We don't even need to you don't need to, um, to, to, to force them to do anything. You don't need it. All you no. need to do is look at Peter. He said, I'm going to fish. And six others followed him. That, same, that principle applies even in spiritual things as well. If you tell brethren and say, oh, actually, I've been, I've been um, praying with this person for the last few weeks. And God has been helping us. And you mention it in a group of Christians. What are you indirectly telling them? You're indirectly saying it's good to pray. And you'll be surprised. They too will be challenged to pray. Pray for others. Pray with a group. Pray with brethren. You know, you don't, you don't need to say, you guys, let's form a prayer group. Just by mentioning that, 
courage, courage encourages them. them. Yes. You know, so I'm trusting that God will help us. The reason why we need this encouragement is because we are living in the last days. Yeah. We are living at a time where we need to bond and, and bond together more and more in the things of God. Sure. Let me read you a scripture. I'm sure you've read it before. It's in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go to Hebrews 10 very quickly. I just want to tell you the reason why we need this encouragement at this time. Now, look at verse 5, 25. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Let me read it from verse 24 for completeness. Hebrews 10, verse 24. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Yeah. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting, encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can I read it? Maybe we should read that scripture from another translation. Amplified George. Yes. And I've got the Amplified in verse yes. 24 and yes. 25. It says here, And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. And verse 25, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Beloved brethren, we are almost coming to the end of our Christian race, finishing line. If, if there's any time we need to encourage one another, if there's any time we need to challenge the Bible said here in verse 25, using that amplified version, it says, but admonishing, warning, urging, encouraging one another. And all the more faithfully, as we'll see the day approaching, we are coming to the end of our, of our should I say, Christian experience. We are in the last days, beloved brethren. We have to encourage one another even more now. We need to um, bind together even more now. We need to challenge one another onto good works, onto spiritual activity, onto loving God much more now because the days are, are our days are coming to an end. Look at it. It says, as you see the day approaching, this is the time to, to, to guard yourself even more. This is the time. If you were a backslider before, this is the time to wake up. 
if you are spiritually asleep, this is the time to wake up. You don't have another time. As we, did, as we see the day approaching, the coming of the Lord is nearer than when you first believed. This is the time to encourage your heart, encourage yourself, and also encourage others. It's so crucial. We don't have a... We, you know, if you have, like, if you have, um, you are expecting a visitor as a family, and you know this very important visitor is coming at 9 o'clock in the morning on, on the 30th of, of um, May, for instance, just an example. And you start preparing. Is it on the 29th of May? Maybe you are meant to get some food for the visitor to eat. Now, 28th of May comes. Is that when you say, well, I'm not going to buy stuff? You had it in mind that you are going to prepare for your visitor to come. And the, you know that it's on the 30th, the, patient, the person is coming. And then on the 29th, you say, well, there's no need to buy anything. Is it on that day you are expecting your visitor to come at 9 a.m.? Is it on that day you, you say, oh, I'm going to have a line, a sleeping, and then you wake up at 10? <laughs> is, it, is that the day you should be doing that? No, it's not. So God is challenging us that because the day of the Lord is nearer than when we first believed, this is the time to hold on to our faith more passionately. And not just you. You need to encourage others. Look at the scripture. It's, it, it talks about it very clearly there in that verse. It says, um, let us consider, give attentive, continuous care, watching over one another, studying how we may steer up, stimulate, incite, and to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. All this is geared towards the body of Christ, helping other Christians. We must not forsake the assembly. It is when we meet together like this in church, like what we are doing now, Bible study, and also in church, Christian meetings, we are encouraging one another onto good works. This is the time we must take our meeting together very serious. I'm trusting that God will help us. I'm trusting that we will not just read this scripture and leave it. We need to act on it. So going back to that uh, John chapter 21, we saw that, do you notice, even the disciples gathered together. <laughs> they came together. But you see, they came together to go and fish. They didn't come together to obey God, obey the Lord's instruction. So that's what happens. Our coming together has to do either of two things. Either we come together to follow God and do his work and to encourage one another to good works, spiritual works, or we come together to do the opposite. And that was what was happening here. The Bible said they all were together. If you read verse 2, Simon Peter um, Thomas, Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, two others disciples were together. The question is, together doing what? 
Were they going over the instructions of Jesus? Were they encouraging themselves in the way of the Lord? Peter just said, well, you guys, let's go. I'm going to go and fish. And you can imagine the thoughts those disciples were having. Well, if there's nothing to do, we are not discussing about Jesus. Let's go and fish then. (laughs) And they went. And I'm trusting that as we hear these instructions, we will come together to, to encourage ourselves in the things of God and also seeing how we can encourage others to, to do the same. So, the Bible says, they went out in verse 3. It says, they went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Of course, when you, when you, when Jesus did not send you to go and fish, physical fish, you went on your own accord to go and fish. You will not catch anything. Look at Peter, James, and John. At least, at least those three are expert fishermen. But that night, they caught nothing. And, you know, it was very interesting. The Bible says they went out and immediately got into the boat. So they were, they were mobilized. They were mobilized to go and fish. So what does this teach me? Even for me, I must be mobilized in my heart to follow God's instructions. It looks like, it's, look at what's happening with the issue of Ukraine and the, and the war and everything. Do you see how people are mobilized to help? People are mobilized to give. People are mobilized to help other human beings. It's good. But do you know, let, even as Christians, we should be mobilized in the things of God, in the service of the kingdom. Honestly, it's so important. The Bible says they got into the boat immediately. Maybe Peter had not been fishing for some time and then he packed his boat somewhere. He went and dragged that boat. He brought it out straight away. No wasting of time. He did, I don't know, maybe he cleaned it. But you can see the passion and the and the mobilization and the zeal with which they went to go and fish. But unfortunately, they caught nothing. And what does that teach me? It teaches me that if I disobey God, if I don't listen to his instructions, even my noble activities can be hard. They caught nothing. Now, Verse 4, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So, of course, they will not know it's Jesus. When you are walking outside God's will, you will not recognize the Lord that you are meant to obey. They will know it's Jesus because they were walking outside of what they were meant to be doing. The Bible said Jesus stood at the shore and they did not know. I don't know how your transition reads it. My verse 4 says, but when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet, 
the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So what does that show me? It shows me that actually they were meant to know it was Jesus. They were meant to recognize that it was Jesus. But yet, they did it. Beloved brethren, should God not help me and you that when we know, when we ought to recognize Jesus' word, Jesus' instructions, we must pray that we recognize it. Most times, it's a general principle. Once you are not walking in God's instruction, you can be distracted. You will not recognize when God is actually there with you, talking to you, instructing you. This is not the first time. Do you remember when those, disi- those um, disciples were walking from Emmaus in Luke chapter 24? Do you remember that scripture? The Bible said they were downcast. They were depressed. And Jesus came along walking by their side. They didn't know it was him. The Bible said their eyes were restrained from knowing him. The same thing was happening here with the disciples. Because they went to go and fish. When Jesus did not say, go and fish. So when the Lord came, they won't recognize him. Because their heart was not um, in a place where they were obeying God. But thank God for God's mercy. Jesus always comes again and again. Even when you don't recognize him, he will come appealing to your heart so that you can recognize him. And that was what was happening here. Jesus came. Because if you were Jesus, eh, and you told some people to do things and they didn't do, what would you do? You know, the, the options are, you can just say, these guys are not serious. I'll go and look for people who are serious. <laughs> but Jesus came again. You see, that's, that is why we shouldn't, we shouldn't take God's love for granted. Jesus came again. He didn't give up on them. He had spent three years with them. He was not going to give up. And I want to encourage you, God has not given up on you. That's why he's coming again. He comes again through his word. Through his instructions. Through brethren. He comes again. And Jesus came again. They didn't recognize him. But Jesus didn't leave. The Bible said in verse 5. Jesus said to them. Have you any food? So they were looking for food. They wanted to eat. They said no. That was the answer. They said they've not caught anything. And verse 6 says, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Do you see how gracious the Lord is? When the Lord wants to pull you, when the Lord is trying to bring you over to his side, he's so gracious. What you are looking for, what you were looking for outside Jesus, you will find it in him. That's what this scripture is teaching me. You wanted fish. Why don't you come to Jesus? And did Jesus not provide the fish they wanted? They were looking for all night. They found it in him. And how did they get it? They listened to his instruction. Jesus said, cast the net on the right side and you'll find some." 
So, you know, as I studied that scripture, it's, it's very interesting. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they listened to this man who was telling them, cast your net on the right side. At times, God works in, in very merciful ways to help our, our, our heart, our lack of faith. They listened to him and they cast their net and they were able to get multitude of fish. And that's gracious. And it was when they caught the fish, the Bible said in verse 7, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And thank God they came to that realization that it's actually the Lord that has been giving them that instruction. Cast your net on the right side. It, that instruction has not changed, beloved brethren. That instruction is also for us. What is God telling us through that scripture? If we want to get true spiritual food for ourselves, if we want to catch fish for the kingdom, we want to become fishers of men for the kingdom, that instruction is important. Cast your net on the right side. You need to cast your net, spiritual net, because there's nobody here on this platform who doesn't want to reach out to souls and bring them in for the kingdom, isn't it? We want to do that. But what's the instruction to us, please? Cast, don't worry that you've not caught anything all this night. God is telling us, this is an instruction for us now. Cast your net on the right side. Don't sit down and say, well, I've not caught anything, so I'm not casting my net. If you do that, you'll not catch anything. God is telling us, cast that net. Cast that spiritual net, that your spiritual influence. Cast it on the right side. Where you can catch fish. Know that Jesus is instructing us on this platform. Let's cast that net on the right side. Don't withhold your net, please. Don't keep your fish hook in one corner and say, well, I've been trying all night. I'm tired. No, don't be tired. Cast your net. Let's, let's obey what Jesus is telling us. In these last days, we don't have an option but to cast our nets. In these last days, for us to win people over for Jesus, please cast your net. Don't withhold it. As you relate with people, please cast your net. As you engage people in your place of work, don't, don't postpone it. Cast that net. Because you see, if the disciples started arguing with that man, with Jesus, and say, well, we've been cut, we've been trying, we've not caught anything, um, there's no need, we've tried all night, nothing. They would not have caught anything. We need to cast our nets. Don't think you are wasting time. You are not wasting time. Cast that net. You will catch something. Even if it's lobsters, even if it's crayfish, <laughs> you might not know what crayfish is. Prawns. You will catch something. 
that's your name. That's, that's the instruction. I'm praying that God will help us. I'm praying that these instructions will not only be for the Bible, but we will imprint it on our hearts. As we go about our work, let's cast that net. I will stop here. So we'll pray. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 